You are now listening to the Cruise Control Podcast here on SoundCloud and iTunes. I am your host, Randy Cruz. You can follow me on Twitter at Randy J. Cruz, R-E-N-D-Y, the letter J-C-R-U-Z. So we're chatting with Grant Matthews here on uh, the Cruise Control Podcast on Twitter at WrestleRant, host of the WrestleRant Podcast. It's been a while, Grant. What's up? How you doing? Absolutely, my man. I think the last time we talked, if I do remember correctly, was around Great Balls of Fire time a few months ago. So it's, it's been a minute, but yeah, the time's going by fast. Like I said, a lot to look forward to. Rumble in a few months. I'll actually be in your neck of the woods in a couple months in December for Ring of Honor's final battle pay-per-view, the Hammerstein Ballroom. So I'm really very much looking forward to that. But uh, yeah, dude, I've been doing good, doing good. So you mean the classic Great Balls of Fire pay-per-view, right? I honestly thought it was a good show. That's that's yeah. just me. I, I enjoyed the show. The name was awful, but mm. it was one of the better shows that the company's put on this year. And I don't know what that says about the product in 2017, but that's just my two cents. Oh man! So, Grant, we do have um, the 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 Hell in a Cell pay per view coming up um, on Sunday. Uh, today we do have the the 20th anniversary of the first ever Hell in a Cell match. That took place between Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker at In Your House Bad Blood, October 5th, 1997. Graham, I was 15 years old at the time. Were you even around? Barely. I think I was two (laughs) years old when that match happened, (laughs) which is insane. Yeah, I'm 22 years old now, so doing the math, I would have been two. Wow. And you you missed a a, a big-time event for Hell in a Cell, and I know we're going to go through the whole card, the preview of the current Hell in a Cell this Sunday, um, but I'm going to do that in, in the in the second half. But um, to me, right right off the top, I know me and you have had have had conversations about what should be a match, what should be a pay per view, and now when I, when I see the card for Sunday, as far as what matches are going to be in the actual Hell in a Cell, um. We do get Shane McMahon and Kevin Owens, but, but we also get the New Day and the Usos. And to me, uh, Graham, I'm you know me and you may not be the only ones, but I feel like the Hell in the Cell should be a match, not an entire pay per view name. The same with TLC. The same with Money in the Bank. Um, those should be specialty matches, not as the whole uh, brand name for a pay per view. And I think. I you know I say that because we don't want to get to a point where we 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 see these matches, but it get it, it gets kind of diluted, where certain matches should not be a TLC match or a certain match should not be a Money in the Bank match or Hell in a Cell match. Um, do you still feel that way that these uh, Hell in a Cell TLCs and, and, and Money in the Banks should be a match and not a pay per view? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I felt that way when they first came up with the pay per view. What has it been? Eight years or now? I think they came up with the pay per view in two thousand and nine. I felt that way since they started it eight nine years ago, and they revamped the whole pay per view schedule. Like, oh, let's do more TLC pay per views. Like, let's give the whole match concept a pay per view, and it's dumb because mm-hmm. the whole idea behind it to begin with was to boost pay per view numbers and stuff. But newsflash: we don't have pay per views anymore. We have the WWE Network. Like now, it doesn't even matter. You can freaking call a show Great Balls of Fire, and people will still watch it because they have the network right. paying nine ninety nine for it. So. Which goes to show we do not need more pay-per-views, let alone gimmick pay-per-views. It doesn't, it doesn't work. I mean, last year's TLC pay-per-view was um, 
a rare exception where I thought it was a great show. But beyond that, every Hell in a Cell show, I was I was looking back at like all the old installments over the last eight years. You couldn't you if you asked any ordinary fan like their favorite Cell matches from the last decade that took place at the show, they probably couldn't even name three because they're all forgettable and they don't feel like Hell in a Cell matches. Like you talk about. Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker. You talk about Triple H versus Shawn Michaels. You talk about Batista versus Triple H. Like, those are great cell matches because they meant something. Mm. Not to say New Day versus Usos or Shane and Owens on Sunday isn't going to be good, but just the pay-per-view itself is completely unnecessary. I mean, I ranted about it multiple times when we talked about it last October. That Oh, it's that time of the month again. It's time to bring back Hell in the Cell, which is dumb because it's just, just because it's that time of the month we need to bring back the pay-per-view and put matches inside the cell that don't need to be inside the cell. It's completely pointless. So um, I'm of the mindset as well that the pay-per-view should not be in existence. They should not have a pay-per-view for Hell in a Cell, let alone PLC. Or Money in the Bank might be an exception because Money in the Bank is always good. But beyond Money in the Bank, it's a stretch with Hell in a Cell and PLC. I'm honestly surprised it's still around by this point. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, last year we there was three Hell in a Cell matches. And it was like one was like Roman and Rusev, and it's like, you know, the 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 matches that that are happening in the in the Hell in a Cell, the storyline doesn't add up. It, it you know to me it doesn't warrant where the rivalry comes so far fetched that the only way to conclude the rivalry is Hell in a Cell. And to me, I you know New Day and and, and Usos don't need the cell. You know, with all due respect, Shane and and Kevin. Uh, I think I think they do because you know what what KO did to Vince and and now you know hey they having a false count anywhere hell in a cell match I don't know if that even makes sense whatsoever but <laughs> no it doesn't it doesn't make sense no it, 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 you know if it's false count anywhere then why had the freaking hell in a cell <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> and, and and this is my no point doubt. where. It's like I don't want to see because when when people mention Hell in a Cell, they mention Sean Taker, Mankind. You you know you mentioned Batista, even the one at at, at uh, Armageddon with the Six Man, um, Triple H, uh, uh, and Taker from WrestleMania 28. There's so many uh, dynamic matches um, from the Hell in a Cell that you you just don't want to get to a point where they, they're just putting the match there just to have it because that's the name of the pay per view. At some point, you're going to dilute these matches and and the next time you have a Hell in a Cell match, it's going to be like, uh, you know, why? Like, why should I be invested in um, a certain type of gimmick match when the story and the rivalry doesn't warrant it? No, absolutely. I mean, you said when it gets to that point, I would argue it already has. It's been in that point for at least five years now. Because like I said, most Cell matches that they've had since the inception of the event in 2009 haven't meant anything they had three cell matches last year. They had three cell matches when the pay-per-view first started. And by and large, they've had two cell matches at each show. I think save for 2012. But beyond that, every event has had two cell matches. Like, one alone is okay. But they used to have one a year, if not, like, one every few years. Right. And that was when it used to mean something and it used to blow off feuds. Now it's just a placeholder. Like, Sha- uh, not Shawn Michaels, Charlotte and Sasha had a cell match last year. And they had, like, a million matches after that anyway. Like, what's even the point? And I was at the show last year with RJ, and shout out to RJ, Mr. Marceau. We were at the show, and we were talking about it a couple weeks ago when I saw him. 
And I, I told him I was watching it back because I never had the time to watch it back after we went because it was such a forgettable show. And he couldn't even remember like half the match that took place because the show was so forgettable. It was easily, easily the worst pay-per-view I've ever been to. And I've only been to a handful. And the, and the whole show was just completely forgettable. And that just goes to show that Hell in a Cell should not be a thing. Because people don't look at it any seriously than they do TLC or any other match concept they have because it just lacks meaning. You hear Hell in the Cell, it's like, eh, you know, it's October. Like, who gives a shit? But right. I don't know. I, I feel like by this point, they should just get rid of the pay-per-view and maybe restore some of the meaning to the match. Because like you said, a false count anywhere Hell in the Cell match, that doesn't even make any sense. That sounds like something from like a video game. Like, what? <laughs> that completely defeats the purpose. Uh, <laughs> I would have scrapped the thing a long time ago. It, it, it's lost all meaning by this point, unfortunately. Graham, a false count anywhere held in a cell match. <laughs> it's like right. it's like saying try to win a match without pinning or submitting uh, your opponent. It's like what? It's like a TN- that, dude. That's like a TNA level stipulation. Like that's how dumb it is. Yeah, because they, 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 you know, that's the proper thing to do when you want Shane to do whatever he wants outside the ring. I, I get that, but you know. If you're in a hell in a cell match, then it's like anything goes. You should be able to, to yeah. get a pinfall on the outside. You don't have to make that a, a, a stipulation. But, you know, if if they can bring back Starcade, which is coming up as, as a live event for SmackDown in November, what they should do, Graham, is, you know, if you need a name for October and you still want to do a Hell in a Cell match. Halloween Havoc, yeah, Halloween Havoc. Exactly, you have Halloween Havoc featuring the main mm-hmm. event as Hell in a Cell, and that, and that's how you do it because, like I said before, Hell in a Cell, the name brings so much prestige by itself. It don't need to be its own pay-per-view. It could be one match, the main feud on that entire uh, you know go-around from August you know, after SummerSlam, whatever, whether it's a Raw or SmackDown or if they happen to merge again. But the biggest feud, the biggest rivalry gets to go in the Hell in a Cell. And, and what could make sense is, like you said, Halloween Havoc is, is the pay-per-view and the main event is Hell in a Cell. I would like that idea a lot. I mean, I advocated to bring that show back um, last year because Raw fell on a Monday last year, and I thought they should have brought back Halloween Havoc for that show. And this year it's on a Tuesday, so they could always bring it back for SmackDown, the Starcade show. It won't even be televised. It won't even be on the network, which is ridiculous to me. Like, why even bother having it? But anyway, um, yeah, I think replacing Hell in the Cell with Halloween Havoc would be a great idea. First of all, it's a great name. That set was always awesome. It looked freaking great with the giant pumpkin there. And if people don't know what I'm talking about, go back and check it out on the network. So it was absolutely amazing. Um, I think the only issue they might run into with that, and it might be mistaken here, just someone mentioned this to me on Twitter a long time ago, mm. that they don't own the rights to Halloween Havoc anymore. I think they do for Starkeed. They might not for Halloween Havoc. I know they bought WCW <coughs> and all their likenesses and stuff, but they might have lost the, um, the patent on it or the copyright or whatever. So that might be a legal issue, but still something along those lines, anything would be better than hell in the cell at this point, in my opinion. Now, real quick, I know I haven't had you on in a while, but you know, them bringing back a, a, a Starcade, a prestigious name, um, hopefully one that they do air it on the network. Ho- hopefully. Uh, I think uh, that that might be right before or right at the survivor series, right? Yeah, I think it's right after Survivor Series, yeah, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, now, I guess, are you kind of uh, extra excited for this live event that you may not see only because it's it's called <laughs> Starcade and it's in North Carolina? I mean, that is cool. I'm not going to argue the fact that they're bringing it back. I think it is cool. I just think it's still, I mean, 
for it to take place a few days after the pay-per-view is kind of dumb. Um, I don't think people would watch. I mean, I think they would because it's called Starcade and they're ribbing it back. And I think it's the 30th anniversary of the pay-per-view. But uh, still, I mean, the fact they're not televising, it's like, I mean, they want, they want to boost ticket sales for the show, which I understand. But, I mean, they got to show at least a match from it, maybe not the entire event, but at least some part of it. It would just, it's completely pointless to me. But I am excited for them bringing you back. I mean, it's a long time. I mean, it's, it's been 15 years since WCW closed down, so it's long overdue. Mm. But uh, they should have done it a long time ago. But I am looking forward to it nonetheless, despite the fact they might not be able to see it. I did mention earlier that today is the 20th anniversary of the first ever Hell in a Cell match with Shawn Michaels and, and Undertaker um, in your house, Bad Blood. And, 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 you know, Graham, to kind of take you back, you know, it, this was at a time where um, – Monday Night War was rapidly going on. Um, World Championship Wrestling was on fire. Nitro, NWO, you name it. And you finally get a a rivalry between Sean and Undertaker, two guys who never fought each other. You know, they did the, 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 the month prior at Ground Zero. But now, you know, to up the ante, you, McMahon presents this gimmick where it's it's like a cage match, but it's bigger. It has a freaking top on it, and you're taking two of the biggest names in the company and put them together. And it is the main event. It's the only Hell in a Cell match on the card. Um, and from what happened that day going forward, what just so iconic because what you remember is Kane debuting that night. Um, Sean with the bloody face when he went up against the cell outside, and. Sean falling off the cell from the side onto the table. Um, you, you you know, you just don't get stuff like that nowadays. I know it, it's, it's totally different. That was um, 20 years ago, different time. But that's the kind of Hell in a Cell match that, that needs to be put on with the kind of rivalry and the kind of um, back and forth that the wrestlers have. Um but that match was so iconic, so different, the first of its kind. And then ultimately, we did get Mankind and Hunter and those guys afterwards. But I think if that match doesn't work or isn't as, as iconic in the first go-around, do we see other Hell in a Cell matches after that? But I think the way that it succeeded in the first time, that fans were saying, you know what, when's the next one? We got to see We got to see more of these. And ultimately, the, 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 the following one was Mankind and Taker. So... Um, I know you've probably seen it on the network. I'm probably long-winded, but just kind of tell me what you thought about the first Hell in a Cell match, which took place 20 years ago today. Yeah, 20 years ago. It's crazy. I mean, I know we talked about it in length last year, too, but I always watch it back every year. They put out this great complication DVD of every Hell in a Cell match from, like, 97 up until 07, about a decade or so ago, the only exception being Bossman and Taker from Mania 15, which was terrible. But um, I watched back that first one, like, pretty much every October before Hell in the Cell, and it never ceases to amaze me how great that first one is. I mean, we talked about it last year, and I know you uh, went on Twitter just today or just yesterday talking, asking people what their favorite Cell match was or what the best one was. And it's hard to argue that the best one is the first one, is the inaugural installment, just about just because of how good it is and the originality and the innovative offense and stuff like that. And the Keane debut. Keane's debut might go down as the greatest debut in WWE history. So for that alone, um, I would have to say it's the greatest match that Hell in a Cell has ever hosted. And uh, even watching it back, again, I was two years old when it happened, but watching it back, I think, is uh, it's always a treat because it's such a great match. 
and it has definitely stood the test of time, even 20 years later, which we talk about all the time. I mean, earlier this year we talked about Bret Hart versus uh, Stone Cold from WrestleMania 13, another classic example of a match that even 20 years later is every bit as good today as it was back then, and that's rare for wrestling matches nowadays, especially considering how much the landscape has changed. Um, but, yeah, I think it is. it will go down as the greatest sell match in WWE history, and uh, even 20 years later it's always a treat to watch. Now, I did, like you mentioned, I did – I did go on Twitter to, to ask the Twitter fans of what they thought was the greatest Hell in a Cell match of all time or greatest matches um, that took place in Hell in a Cell. So we got a few answers. Um, George um, GAT Saves said, EG, um, EG Cole, the first one, Taker and Shawn Michaels. Um, Exhibit D did say uh, a tie between 97 and 98. I, I, I would guess the tie between Shawn and Taker and Taker Mankind. Um, Slick Vic underscore 23, Taker Mankind. Uh, what else we got here? At Latino Heat, um, he says Triple H versus Undertaker at WrestleMania 28. Um, Johnny True Love, Brock Lesnar, Undertaker at No Mercy 2002. But of course, Sean Taker is up there along with Mankind. And Taker, um, what else we got here? Taker and Edge uh, from Exhibit D. Trash Tyler, Mankind, because it was the match that made me realize wrestling was real. Real is in capital letters. Um, uh, Mets fan Alex, the six-man hell in a cell with Taker <laughs> threw Rikishi off. Um, at uh, UNJB, uh, Taker Mankind, Taker Hunter, and Taker Shawn Michaels, a lot of Undertakers uh, in, in, in this match. Um, that guy, DYL, Taker, Hunter, and Shawn Michaels, Triple H, which I think is, gets very underrated. I think a lot of people forget about that match. Um, at Bearded Gordo, Taker Mankind, Bass from the BX, Taker Mankind, uh, Mike Goldfarb, Taker Mankind, Hollywood Smoke Hogan, yeah, that's his name, Hollywood Smoke Hogan, Taker Mankind was textbook because it's what you want in the Hell in a Cell, it's, it's carnage, got a few more, at Bear Hug It Out, uh, Taker Mankind, everything else is second, Telvin Kipapa, Triple H Undertaker, and then we have Wild Hog, Triple H versus Cactus Jack at No Way Out, 2000, that deserves some recognition so there you go oh definitely i completely forgot about that match when i was running through my favorite cell matches from earlier but yeah it's an underrated match triple h next to taker i would say is the greatest talent cell competitor of all time um just i mean not only is it what well, it wasn't written mick Foley's final match ever it was one of his final matches ever but it really put over triple h as one of the greatest superstars of his generation i mean he was good before that but I really thought that 2000 was his year, but his performance in that match really solidified him as a star on top. So um, the fact that it is, I would definitely argue, I would definitely agree that it is one of the more underrated Hell in the Cell matches of all time, not only because of the in-ring action and the story they told, but also because it really solidified and launched Triple H into another level of superstardom. So it seems that we have a tie between Sean Taker and Taker Mankind. If, if we're you know, trying to break that tie or trying to find out which one was the better match um, or more memorable, 
Would you go with Sean Taker or Taker Mankind? That's tough. Between the two, probably Mankind Taker. I see more people talk about that just because of the drop in the cell. It's really basically what's saying, like, what's more memorable, Kane's debut or Mankind falling off the top of the cell? I would say Kane falling off the top of the or, uh, Mankind falling off the top of the cell. It could really go either way. You're not wrong with either answer. But, um... I mean, Mick Foley was never really the same after that. Uh, and the match, the first match is better. Sean and Taker is better for 97. But uh, Mankind and Taker is more memorable. So I would say that one from King of the Ring 98. Yeah, I I think the the fall that, that Mankind took, well, both of them, that he took um, is what people recall the most. But as far as a match, if you want to put that in perspective, um, Sean, Taker, plus... The, the debut of Kane kind of like tips it, you know, the the the, the landscape to to that side because of his de- of of his debut. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the fact that he just that he ripped the door off the hinges and stuff for the hell on the cell. I mean, it's hard to forget. And the fact that was his initial appearance in the company. Like I said earlier, I think it is one of his greatest, one of the greatest debuts in company's history. The fact that he's lasted twenty years. I mean, it's kind of semi-retired by this point, but um, the way that he debuted and the way they had built it up, which I think a lot of people forget, they had been teasing Kane was Undertaker's brother for a very long time. So the way they had built to it and the payoff, everything about it was perfect. And uh, I think a lot of people forget that um, it was only a few months later that Shawn Michaels retired. So probably his last truly great match in the WWE before he retired for a few years was inside the cell of Taker. Because, I mean, the, the Survivor Series screw job is awful. I mean, it wasn't that good of a match. And the casket match where his career kind of ended wasn't that good. The match with Stone Cold was pretty good. But this match was excellent. So everything about this, I thought, was just the, the perfect package and a great way to introduce the Kane character. Don't overlook the classic he had with Ken Shamrock, Graham. <laughs> of course. You can forget Shawn Michaels and Ken Shamrock. That's right. At, at In Your House, D-Generation X. Um... <laughs> I uh, forgot about that shit. Also, real quick, Wally Cueto, Mankind, Undertaker, and Pete Haas said Shawn Michaels, Taker, not even close because Taker, Mankind was not a really good match. But, I mean, listen, everybody has their own opinion, but I think the majority of the answers you'll get is uh, Shawn Taker and Taker, Mankind. But, it, you know, t- hey, Graham, 20 years since that match, that pay-per-view, uh, so much has happened in wrestling from that point on. Um Taker is still going, as far as we know. And we know Sean retired about seven years ago. Um, Taker may have one more, two more matches, depending. But um, we just don't know. So um, if you're out there and have not seen this Hell in a Cell match, which, uh, match between Sean and Taker, go ahead and see it. Uh, but we do have the current Hell in a Cell this Sunday. Um, let's get right to it. Graham Matthews, Randy Orton, Rusev. In a singles match, who do you have? Uh, between those two, between Orton and Rusev, uh, I'm going to have to go Orton. Not like it matters anyway because the match is completely meaningless and no one cares about the feud. But because WWE cares so little about Rusev, I'll just go with Randy Orton. Why not? I mean, yeah, I think it doesn't matter who wins because I think Randy Orton should go back to being a heel. That's my personal Agreed, yeah. personal opinion. Um Give Rusev a chance at being a, a, a good guy. This match doesn't mean anything to me, Graham. So whoever wins, good for them. Um, <laughs> Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler. 
Roode, no-brainer. The guy just debuted, making his WWE pay-per-view debut at Hell in the Selling. Bobby Roode's got to be Ziggler. I could not care less than Ziggler at this point. I mean, it should be a good match, but Roode winning is a no-brainer. It's me. Now, would will Dolph Ziggler come to the ring as Dolph Ziggler or somebody else? Uh, that's a good that's a good one. <laughs> uh, you know what? He should come to the ring as Kane because it's been 20 years since his debut. Why not? I think he'll come oh. to the ring with his awful entrance music, so he might be better off you know, using someone else's entrance. But um, I think he'll come to the ring as Dolph Ziggler, unfortunately. Are you a fan of what he's doing with these weird different entrances, or are you like... What do you? What, why is Dolph Ziggler put in this spot? Personally, absolutely not. Like, I mean, I've been saying this for a while now. I mean, we were talking about it close to a year ago here on the show that I just I can't bring myself to care about uh, about Dolph Ziggler anymore. And the whole entrance thing and the impersonation it just does nothing for me. I mean, the guy's a good wrestler and all, but he, he reached that peak level and he's not going to get back to that level. I feel like he might be just better off leaving the company, go doing to something, going to wrestle somewhere else, whether it be Ring of Honor or New Japan or something. The impersonation thing is just wasting time. I mean, whatever gets rude, whatever gets rude over, that's fine. But Ziggler is just clearly unmotivated and just spinning his wheels by this point. So personally, I'm not a fan of the gimmick. Mm. Um, I would go with, Bobby Roode, like you said, is uh, his first match on on pay per view or on the network. Um, getting Dolph a win doesn't really mean anything unless you know they have like a false finish where they both look good, you know, either way. But I think Bobby Roode should get the win. A um, AJ Styles, Baron Corbin, U.S. title. Who do you have? If you asked me a couple of days ago, I would have said AJ, but because they beat Baron on SmackDown last night, I'm going to say him, which is completely ass-backwards booking, but that's what this company is known for. And, I mean, obviously they don't have any plans to push Baron Corbin as the main event guy anytime soon, but clearly, I mean, the guy is such a loser, and he's lost almost every match he's been a part of. Uh, but they do this. Well, they'll beat a guy, and they'll beat a guy, and they'll beat a guy, and then they'll just put the championship on him for no apparent reason. So, although AJ winning was what I would do, I'm going to say Baron Corbin wins the championship just because this company doesn't know how to book. Yeah, and and I think, you know, if you have Baron Corbin win the the title on Sunday, then you got to start thinking about what they do for AJ Styles going forward. I mean, the fact that Ty Dillinger beat him on SmackDown, I would assume he gets a title shot, but that's not like an, a lengthy feud. Like, I would say, oh, it's good to get AJ out of the mid-card scene and put him in the main event contending for the WWE championship, but that's obviously not in the plans right now. So, Baron just, if they put the belt on him six months ago, like when he was going for the IC Championship at WrestleMania, uh -huh. that would have been one thing. But, I mean, they've beaten this guy for, you know, on so many occasions that no one cares about him anymore. And, of course, that's when they put the belt on him. So, yeah, I would keep the belt on AJ in the long term and start doing the U.S. Open Challenge again because that would obviously restore more prestige to the championship than Baron Corbin holding it. Well, I think I'll probably go in your direction as well. Maybe Baron Corbin does get the victory. Maybe, you know, whatever he did months ago, they, they forgive him for, uh, for that. And now um, he, he'll he get his first world title. And I think, does AJ need the belt? I don't think so. But, you know, you, you know whatever whatever they put on the belt on, on a new champion, um, you got to think about what they do with their former champion. Now, if AJ goes into... into the world championship spot with Jinder or Nakamura. Now we're talking, but does AJ need the belt? No, but it'll be nice to see Baron Corbin with the belt. Yeah, I'm not saying I don't Corbin. I think he has a lot of untapped potential, but 
like you said, it just whatever had happened backstage that caused them to have him cash in his contract unsuccessfully has killed any momentum he had a, a number of months ago. So they built him up the right way. He could be a fine champion, and AJ belongs in the main event. Um, I just don't think now is the time to do the title change just because they made Baron look so incompetent in recent weeks that I feel like it would be just the wrong time to do it, and it would further devalue the championship. But uh, the guy does where he once was or back closer to the main event scene. But a win on Sunday, I, I wouldn't do it. I think he is winning. I just don't think the time is right for that to happen at the moment. All right, Natalia, Charlotte Flair, SmackDown Women's Championship. Who do you got? I, this one's a bit harder to predict, but in a good way. I could see either woman winning. But you also have to take under consideration that Carmella might cash in, which is also an exciting prospect. Too. So I'm going to say in Seth Rollins' style, she will cash in during the match. I could see a scenario where Charlotte wins and then Carmella cashes in because uh, Charlotte did recently beat Carmella on TV, and then they can feud over the belt going forward. Either way, we get like a triple threat on SmackDown or the next pay-per-view or whatever for SmackDown. Um, so I'll say I'll say whoever wins this match, and I feel like, if anything, I'll say Charlotte wins. And then no matter what, Carmella's walking out as the new SmackDown Women's Champion. And they should probably prolong the championship chase for, um, for Charlotte anyway. So I'll say Carmella walks out as the new champion. So, so that'll mean Natalia would have the belt for like two months, right? That's it. Just barely. Yeah, I feel like she's not. She was never meant to be a long-term champion anyway. They just wanted to give her for one, and after she had like a month run uh, a number of years ago, it was kind of like a like good job, like a token run with the title, and then uh, they'll just move on to whoever they want to push next. All right, one of the first Hell in a Cell matches on the card: New Day the Usos in the Hell in a Cell SmackDown Tag Team Championship. Uh, two questions. Who are who are the the two uh, New Day members that's going to be in the cell? And then two, who do you have winning the match? Yeah, I don't think that's been confirmed yet as to who it's going to be. I mean, I think it's only speculation. Like you said, I'm not exactly sure who it'll be. And we've seen every combination, so it's almost it almost doesn't matter at this point. I think it's going to be Kofi and Big E, but... Honestly, it really doesn't matter. They're all three of them are great. Um, in terms of who's going over, again, another scenario where it doesn't even really matter because both teams are so great. You just have to kind of look to the future of the division and where they go from here. If the Usos win, you could do a Benjamin and Gable feud um, with with the Usos. If New Day wins, they don't have a lot of teams to work with because the Hype Bros are still baby faces as of now. But the Usos have already beaten them, too, so it's kind of hard to say where the division goes from here. I'll go off on a limb, and some people have said this, but I think that I'll go off on a limb and say that after New Day retain their titles, then the authors of Pain from NXT show up, attack the New Day, and that's our next feud over the Tag Team Championships. Yeah, because, you know, my my next question was, is this the final match we're going to see with New Day and Usos? I feel, like you know, feel like they've been going at it for so long. They have been. I mean, it's been a multi-month feud, but I will say... For as much as me personally and others have complained about, you know, feuds lasting too long, like Miz and Ambrose have felt like they had a million matches, and their matches were all right. But every Uso and New Day match that I've seen has been freaking great. Like, every uh-huh. match has been awesome. They continue to raise the bar, whether it's a street fight or a standard tag team match or Hell in a Cell. They always raise the bar. It's kind of like Sasha and, and, um, Sasha and Charlotte from last year. But... It's, it's, you know, either team can win on pay-per-view. It's not like Charlotte can only win on pay-per-view or Sasha can only win on TV. 
it's not like that at all. So I've been enjoying the feud. I think the matches have been awesome. I don't know where they go from here, but um, I do think that the New Day solidly defends the titles. They uh, decisively defeat the Usos, and that is the end of the feud for now. I'll say maybe at some point down the road they'll rekindle the rivalry. But for now, for now uh, the New Day will retain the titles, and that's it. Hey, Graham, you know what? I, I, I do tell you one thing. I would rather see New Day and Usos go at it than, than she, uh, Sheamus and Cesaro against Dean Ambrose and, and Seth Rollins for like 100 times. Hey, you know what? I'm going to have to disagree there. I think those matches have also been really good. I think tag team wrestling now has is, is been better than it has been in the long time. Not ever, but at least in the last few years. I think those two teams also work really, really well together. And I thought that No Mercy match was probably the match of the night. So, hey, if they continue having matches for the foreseeable future, I'm okay with that, too. I'm in a minority, I know, but I'll say those matches have been great, too. Real quick, sidebar. Did, did, did Sheamus and Cesaro kind of replace the Miz Taraj with, with, the, with the Miz to kind of lure the Shield back together? Because I, I, I don't know why Sheamus and Cesaro... I, I, I kind of get it because they, they do have the feud, the feud with Ambrose and, and, and Rollins, but now what happens to, to Bo Dallas and, and Axel now? I'm not sure. I don't know what happens to them, but I will say I'm happy that they're not involved in the match, seemingly. I mean, in a perfect world, I would have it be Sheamus, Cesaro, and Strowman, but Miz has been so involved in the program that you can't take him out of it now. So, I mean, you have to continue that feud and have Miz be involved, be involved in the match because Axel and Dallas would not have been threats to a reunited shield. So I'm glad he's not a part of the match. And, um, yeah, I don't know what happens to the Miseraj. I mean, they're still going to be a thing. Maybe they get involved anyway if it's a no-disqualification match or it's a healthy match or whatever at the pay-per-view. But I think that's a way better combo, and I can take them seriously over um, over the Miseraj facing the Shield. That match would be over in, like, 10 seconds. I'm glad that won't be the case, seemingly. Jinder Mahal against Shinsuke Nakamura for the WWE Championship. Um, you know, why they're feuding, uh, I really don't know, but uh, they've been going at they've been going at it for the last couple of months. Um, do we see a change of the guard with Nakamura winning, or does, or does Jinder have, you know, does he continue the run as as champion? I, I'm going to say Nakamura wins, but I'm very fearful that he won't for a couple of reasons. One, because Nakamura has gotten the upper edge over Jinder more often than not on TV, which usually means that he's going to lose. And two, because, and more importantly, because they're touring India in a few months, I think in December. So that doesn't exactly help for his run as champion in terms, or at least us, for his run as champion, because that means we have to endure at least another two months of him on top as the WWE champion. I really hope that's not the case, because the guy just sucks in the role. That was evident a month and it was title run. It's even more evident four or five months later. So I would take the title off my ASAP. And if he beats Nakamura here, where do you go from there? Like, what else do you do unless you put AJ in the main event scene, which they won't do right now? Um, I don't know who else there is for him to beat. He's already beaten Orton and now Nakamura, the two top stars in the show. Cena's on Raw. Now there's really no, else, no one else for him to face at the moment. You've got to do the title change at, at the risk of doing further damage to Nakamura. And then, um, yeah, just put the championship on Nakamura, if only just because Mahal has not been – the Mahal experiment has been a massive failure, in my opinion. Um, real quick, just to backtrack, um, I, 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 I'll go with the Usos winning that, that tag team championship match. Um, I just don't think the New Day really needs it, in my opinion. Um, fast forward to Jinder and Nakamura. Uh, uh, Graham is tough because, um, you know, I think Jinder was doing 
really well in the beginning of his run with Randy Orton and and stuff like that. But it just him and him and the whole Nakamura thing just to me doesn't fit. You know, um, I, there's no reason why they're fighting. There's no there's no reason for the feud. That there's no heat on on the match or heat on on gender where I can be like, okay, you know, from a storyline standpoint, you know. Ask a casual fan, okay, why why is Jinder and, and Shisuke, Shisuke fighting? What's the main reason? If I ask you, Nakamura and Jinder are going at it because what? The whole Nakamura feud, the whole feud, from what I could gather over the last few months, is over the fact that Mahal doesn't like Nakamura's facial expressions because that's all they've ever talked about. And the whole Jinder saying, oh, you boomy because of my skin color. Like we've heard it a million times, it's time to move on. The guy, the guy sucks in the mic. The, the, the whole program has served no purpose. And it has not been entertaining. They have single-handedly ruined any, not value, but, like, any entertainment value about Nakamura right now. Like, I look at these segments, and I just groan or roll my eyes. because None of them serve any purpose. They don't get any genuine heat. Uh, it's just been a waste of time. So I'm not exactly sure what the feud is supposed to be about, to be honest with you. Okay. Um, I guess the main event, Shane McMahon, Kevin Owens, falls count anywhere hell in a cell match. Um... Which way are you leaning towards right now? Uh, I mean, it should be a no-brainer that Kato wins. But Sheen, you know, obviously has not won a singles match since he's been back in WWE, other than, like, the yeah. Survivor Series tag match about a year ago. But beyond that, he lost to The Undertaker. He lost to his styles, both WrestleMania. He's due a win at some point, because otherwise beating Sheen means nothing. The guy's not a wrestler anyway. But then again, if Sheen wins this... Then Owens, at the peak of his popularity as a heel, is going to lose to a non forty five year old wrestler, like or a commissioner, or whatever. Like that doesn't make much sense, um, unless they have interference, which would be abysmal anyway, because that's supposed the whole point of Hell in the Cell is to eliminate interference. But like we talked about earlier, it's false can anywhere, which also doesn't make any sense. So I'm going to say KO wins, but it wouldn't be the first time that he's like come into his own as a heel and doing this great work, like. What we saw with Goldberg earlier this year when he was doing all that awesome work as a heel and he turned on Jericho, and then they had him squashed in like 45 seconds. Not even at, uh, at Fastlane a few weeks later. So not to say that Shane's going to squash KO, but um, I-, I could see a scenario where Shane wins. But I hope that's not the case. I think Kevin Owens wins, uh, further planting the seeds for a potential match down the road between uh, KO and Triple H at WrestleMania next year. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, is this is this match just like the forefront for something else happening where, yeah, Kevin knows, I think KO is going to win too, but does it, does it linger to where, you know, Vince gets involved and then Hunter goes to SmackDown and fights Kevin Owens or the Stephanie, I mean, it was weird to see Stephanie on SmackDown a few weeks ago to help uh, Vince, but, you know, I think this is the beginning of, of, of a longer program with, with KO and the whole McMahon family, which is not something that we haven't seen. Uh, before we've seen it before with Stone Cold and, and Randy Orton, so um, it, it's it, it's nothing new. But but I think a guy like Kevin Owens can carry that um, that rivalry going because he 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 you know he is great on the microphone. But um, you mentioned Triple H down the road. Do you think that's do you think that's the route they go into at the Shane? I think they could and they should. Um, I don't. I mean, anything can change between now and WrestleMania. WrestleMania 34 is not for another six more months. So anything can change. They could do Nakamura Owens. They could do Owens, Sami Zayn for like the world title. God knows what's going to happen between now and then. But Owens and Triple H, I think, would be a great, uh, great marquee match for WrestleMania. Now that's another case, like with Shane, that Triple H has lost his last two WrestleMania matches. 
Would he lose for the third straight year? I doubt it, but it would still be a good position for Owens to be in if that's where this is leading. And where do you go after this anyway? If Owens is not in WWE Championship contention, you got to have him ride his momentum somewhere. Like, you can't have him feed Mojo Raleigh starting next week. Like, they got to do something with the guy. Um, but I do think this is leading to Owens and Triple H. They have the history like Triple H and Rollins did when they had their WrestleMania match earlier this year, dating back to a few years ago or last year when Triple H helped Owens win the championship. And also the fact that Triple H helped uh, Kevin Owens get hired. They could play off of that, too. So there's a lot of history there. I think they could have a really good match. And KO deserves to be a top guy in the company. So putting him in that marquee spot at WrestleMania, I think would be the best thing for him. So I think that's where this is leading. I mean, Mania is not for a while, but I do have a hunch that uh, that's exactly where this is headed. Comparing to what you saw at No, at, at, at no Mercy, do you think Hell in a Cell had the chance to be better or, or same with No Mercy? Probably same. I don't think No Mercy was bad. I enjoyed No Mercy for the most part. I thought the final two matches were awful. I thought the undercard was really good. Um, Enzo and Neville sucked, obviously, and then the main event was really disappointing. Um, that could be the same case with this show. I mean, hey, Shane's in the main event. I mean, the guys had a really good match at WrestleMania with AJ, but you, you don't know what you're going to get the, from the guy week to week. So it could be a disappointing match with Owen. The undercard could be completely boring and boring if the two cell matches deliver. So I think it could go either way, but I think it it will probably be ultimately on the same level as No Mercy and being a enjoyable show, but not a show that we'll talk about for years to come. Real quick before I let you go, I, I know I know I didn't have you on during the, the No Mercy time, but um, what did you think of Roman Reigns defeating John Cena and Cena sitting down in the corner like his fake? Uh, in a retirement kind of attitude. <laughs> yeah, I mean, anyone who thought that Cena actually retired is just full of themselves. I mean, they're just, they got to be kidding themselves. Because we've seen this a million times. He's done this how many times over the last number of years when he wow. loses claim and then he just kind of walks off. We saw it at SummerSlam last year when he lost to Adrian. Then he was back like a month later. And already reportedly Cena's slated to be back in time for Survivor Series like a month from now. So he's obviously not retired. Roman winning was the right decision. Um... But I would have rather had them drag out the fuse for a few more months. It seemed like Roman won clean, that's it. And there's nothing left after that. Um, and they won't do any more matches. So I'm not sure exactly where they're gonna, what they're going to do with Cena once he comes back because he's now lost to Roman Reigns, so you're not going to give him a title shot. Does he face SmackDown at Survivor Series? Like, I'm not sure where they're headed with him. But um, I thought the match was really good. I mean, it was very polarizing. Some people hated it. Some people loved it. I thought the fact that he, got, that he kicked out of four AAs, including one off the top rope, was kind of ridiculous. But I did enjoy the match, and I'm looking forward to seeing what Cena does when he gets back. Hopefully, it's a few of Samoa Joe. I think that could be uh, really entertaining for both parties. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I I think you know nobody should believe John Cena is retiring. I think you know the match with him and Taker is still out there for the taking. Um, if Taker has does have one more match um, in his career, I think the final one should be against John Cena. Win or lose, it, it doesn't matter to me. But I think Cena does have a, a few years left. Uh, and, and Roman winning, I mean, listen, if you thought Roman Reigns was not going to win that match, then something's wrong with you. So um, I thought No Mercy was kind of iffy. You know, I, I thought Braun would have won the title from Brock Lesnar just because, you know, now Brock is a champion. But, you know, when's the next time you're going to see him? Survivor Series or leading up to Survivor Series? Um, I, I think I think that's the next pay per view for them, right? Because TLC is before or after. 
Yeah, it's UL season two weeks from Sunday. So we go from no mercy, then two weeks later, Hell in the Cell, then two weeks after that, TLC. So it's a busy month, but he's not supposed to be on that pay-per-view. John Cena, that is. Uh, but he should be at Survivor Series in a month from now, though. And then there you go. So now you, so now you, you may not have Cena or Brock for the next month and a half. And it's like, give Braun Strowman the belt, you know, so he can carry and, and have matches um, and show the belt every single week. Now, Brock winning, okay, okay. Now, now what do you have for him? And I think that's the major question going forward because um, it could be Reigns, it could be Rollins, it could be Finn Balor, it could be Braun Strowman. I really don't care who it is, but you just got to find who is that next opponent for Brock because if not, Brock's going to be champion for, for, for a long time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they have their end goal in mind with Brock and Roman happening at WrestleMania. But what do you do in the meantime? They only really have one site. There's only one goal to everything. Nobody they have future plans for, with the exception of Brock and Roman, and Roman beating Brock at WrestleMania 34. But beyond that, what do you do with everyone else? And what do you do in the meantime? They don't think about that kind of stuff, which is why everyone's suffering at the moment, which is why Braun Strowman looked like a loser at the No Mercy pay-per-view. So hopefully, I mean, going forward... They're going to have Braun do something meaningful, and they can give him something to do before WrestleMania comes around, and they continue to carry on his momentum, and they don't have him just fade off into obscurity. How they do that, I have no idea, because he has no like obvious opponent for TLC. But, um, yeah, I, just, I don't know why they would do that. Like, oh, let's have Brock go over and keep the championship on him. But, you know, in the meantime, for Braun Strowman, he's just going to do nothing. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Today. Considering how hot Braun has been for the past few months, and they just had him lose for, like, you know, clean for no reason, it's just, just beyond bungling booking to me. It just makes no sense. Well, to you know, real quick to answer your question, you know, what are we doing in the meantime? We're having false count anywhere hell in a cell matches. That's what we're doing. Yeah, exactly. False count anywhere hell in a cell matches. Oh, that's God. what they do. That's, that's how they fill the time, I guess, between WrestleMania now. Well, Grant, I really hope you and I and everybody enjoys hell in a cell. Maybe it, it'll shock some people because I know SmackDown, the SmackDown pay-per-views have been able to 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 do that um not saying they've, they've always had bad pay-per-views which is not the case but sometimes what's on paper uh can be completely different than, than, than what they do in the ring so hopefully um it's it, it's a good a, a good pay-per-view better than 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 no mercy so uh go ahead enjoy it uh grand matthews wrestle rant on twitter at wrestle rant the host of the wrestle rant podcast uh, Graham, always great to have you on, my man. Yeah, appreciate it, Randy. Always great to talk. Yeah, it's been too long. Hopefully it's not too long before I talk to you again. Enjoy the show on Sunday, and I'll catch you on the road, my man. All right, man. Take it easy. All right. Adios. All right.